I'm going to read a passage out of Matthew 14, and I want to give you some context. And I don't want you to turn there. What I'm going to invite you to do is to imagine the story as I read it. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but it can be helpful to try to like picture the emotions, the tone of voice, the thing, the circumstances surrounding the story. It can just help it come alive in some neat ways. It can also help you appreciate it, empathize with it a little bit. It helps me do that. And so I'm gonna read this passage um, out of Matthew 14. And uh, yeah, for you, just imagine it. And before I read it, I wanna give you some context. So um, Jesus is leading his earthly ministry and we're joining a story where he just found out that one of his close friends, John the Baptist, was murdered, which is, I know, super intense, but context is important. And so we're going to read a pretty feel-good story, but just a reminder of like where Jesus is, and, and it's going to say that he withdrew to a desolate place, and his original intent there was to be alone. He had just lost a dear friend. He is grieving, but we can understand celebrity culture. It's like whenever you see a celebrity, unless you've been trained by the Nashville culture um, for long enough, your first instinct is to go, oh my gosh, there's a celebrity and here I am running to them, asking for a photo. I did this. Ben Rector sang me happy birthday at Baja Burrito one time. Yeah. And I was a freshman at Belmont and I went and asked him. For, I didn't know who he was. But my friend told me he was a famous musician. So I went, Ben, if you're listening to this podcast, which you're not, hello. Thanks for singing me happy birthday seven years ago. Anyway, I went and got a picture with Ben. And then my friend, Daniel, told me like, dude, no, don't do that. But at that point, I wasn't aware of how cool Nashville was with celebrities. Anyway, that whole story that wasn't planned that didn't really help my teaching is to share that Jesus is going through, guys, wake up, help me out. Fake laugh for me, my gosh. That was tough. I'm like sweating right now. Like, wow, this is just a waste of everything. Anyway, so much like celebrity culture, Jesus is in this moment of grieving and a lot of people are gonna hear that he's on the move and he's notorious, man. He's been teaching some powerful things there's rumors of him doing healings, resurrecting dead people. I mean, crazy stuff. And so the crowd is not concerned with how Jesus is doing. And they follow him as he's trying to get away and escape. And Jesus is gonna respond in a really cool way. And then it's gonna lead to an invitation for us. I think it's really powerful. So I'm gonna read out of Matthew 14. Whatever you gotta do to get in your imaginative place. So if you need to sit up straight, take a deep breath in and out. And I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes or whatever it looks like for you to, to picture this. As I read this story, try to imagine what this was like. All right, here we go. Lord, help our imaginations. Now, when Jesus heard this, the news about John the Baptist being murdered, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. 
And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 baskets, full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. God, will you help us to fully just fully process and take in how powerful and beautiful this story is? In Jesus' name, amen. So at the tail end there, it says that about 5,000 men besides women and children. And so you can, we could guesstimate, maybe around 15,000 to 20,000 people have gathered, okay? So Jesus hears this devastating news and he goes to be alone appropriately and a lot of crowds follow him and they're not worried about how he's doing. They just wanna be amazed by him basically. And he sees them and Jesus's first reaction, his instinctive reaction in a time of grief being overwhelmed by crowds is to have compassion on them, which is extremely powerful. He heals the sick, and I imagine, per usual, he probably gives some like just bomb sermons where he just dominates and blows people's minds and has them asking eternal questions that they don't quite understand, but they know he's onto something, and it's all going amazing until nighttime where the disciples go, Jesus, listen, all these people have come from long distances, they're not at home, the villages are away, let's send them back to the villages, that's where food is, and they're hungry. And then Jesus goes, they don't need to go home, let's feed them. And I like sometimes to be imaginative because I wanna imagine the dialogue here. So he goes, don't send these thousands of people away, let's feed them. And I imagine, have you ever like been looking for your keys and been like, done the pocket check? I imagine that when Jesus said, feed them, they went, with what? What's the plan, Jesus? Like, what do you what do you mean feed with what? Like, what, what is this a joke? And I wonder if Peter had a flashback. Like when Jesus first met Peter, Peter's fishing. He's been fishing all night, has caught nothing. And Jesus goes, "Hey, cast your net to the other side of the boat." Peter here, years of experience in fishing, knows how to fish, was trained to fish. Is like, great advice, Jesus. I'll try the other side of the boat. Why didn't I think of that? No, I've been fishing all night. Gosh, what do you know about fishing? But I'll do it because you're here and it'd be awkward if I didn't. And he casts it and he catches fish so much so he needs help and nets begin to break and this miracle happens. And I wonder if Peter, remembering that story and Jesus says, you feed him, is like, are you about to do that thing again? What's about to happen? You know, like, what was that like when Jesus is like, thousands of people, we've got nothing, feed them. I don't know what this is going to be like. Like, all we've got is five loaves and two fish. And isn't it interesting that Jesus isn't very interested in how much of what they have? He just goes, what do you have? Because this is what we got, okay. And he prays over it, he blesses it. And I don't know what this looked like. I don't know if everyone closed their eyes at the same time and then opened them and then bam, like there's like loaves and fish for 20,000 people. I don't know how this worked, but all of a sudden the food is multiplied. Incredible moment. And then Jesus does something really sweet here. He tells the disciples, hand this out. And I just got lost in this moment, like thinking about what did the disciples do there? I wonder what their attitude was when they were handing out the stuff. Because people are sitting here just like, what in the world? Where did that come from? Some kind of magician. 
And the disciples are handing it out like, yeah, yeah we're with him. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. It didn't do anything. But they got to just live in the pride of giving out of the Father's resource, right? Like God provided. He does this miracle. And the disciples get to just walk around smiling and cocky like, yeah, you're welcome. We're with him. Hey, he's our friend. We're following him. One of the 12. One of the 11, really, because the other one, he's going to, you know, whatever. But anyway, uh, you know, but like the pride of that. Have you ever had a moment like when you were a kid at Christmas and you gave a gift to someone all smiley, like you actually did anything? You're here like five years old. You've got no career, no bank account. You can't even drive to the store that you got there. You can't even reach the shelf that the gift came from. But you hand the gift off and you're just like, you're welcome. Thought about you. It's like I've had moments where my parents, don't listen to this podcast, sister, but my parents got my sister a gift that I didn't even know what they got, but they handed it to my sister and I was like, you're welcome. It's for me. Wink, wink, right? I can't afford a gift. I can't even reach the shelf, but you got it for me and I get to take pride in it, right? Like, it's just from me. And there's this really cool moment where Jesus goes, hey, the Father has provided. Go and give out the Father's provision to people. There's this really cool thing that God does. Jesus is showing the heart of God, and there's three things I want us to hear in this. First, Jesus has great compassion on people. And it's not just spiritual need, it's physical need, right? Jesus doesn't go and, and preach a sermon and go, all right, spiritual food, you're full. Now go eat somewhere else, right, to take care of your physical body. He sees the physical need and goes, no, I care about that too. There's spiritual and physical need that Jesus has great compassion on. And secondly, Jesus has the resources of heaven at his disposal. He doesn't see human lack. He sees what the kingdom of heaven has, and it's more. It's abundant. When they pass it all out, there's more left. So one, Jesus has compassion for the spiritual and physical need. And two, Jesus has the resources to meet the need. He is operating with a different resource than we are. The disciples coming, we only have this, but he's coming with the kingdom of heaven going, watch what the Father will do with what you have, right? And then thirdly, this really epic thing Jesus does, he invites the disciples in to experience it. He invites them to experience the generosity of the Father, the abundance, not just the compassion, but the willingness to meet the need. There's this really cool thing that God does, and I believe that Jesus is inviting us into the same kingdom life. Jesus lives in an upside-down way. The ways of Jesus are so weird until you live into them and experience the abundant life. He says that the Son of Man came to serve. He gets asked this question. Someone's like, I want to be great. How do I be great? I want to reserve a seat in heaven for myself. How do I get there? And Jesus goes, let me show you what it's like to be great. The son of man, me, the king of kings, the promised one, I'm being, I'm not, Jesus. Not, I was pointing at myself, I got self-conscious. Stop, focus, here we go. Jesus is going, the son of man, the king of kings sent from heaven, he came to serve, not to be served. What? Imagine growing up with kings and rulers who like murdered people who disagreed with them. And they're like, Jesus is the Messiah. He's going to save us. We're going to declare war on this entire place. We're going to overthrow the Roman Empire. There's going to be blood everywhere and we're going to be victorious. And Jesus goes, no, you want to see what greatness is? I came to leverage my life, the authority and the resources of heaven to serve, not to be served. This upside down reality. And in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to offer life and life abundantly. Not only am I inviting you not to abide by a culture that says, get, 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 acquire, 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 gain it, gain it. Don't just get enough, get excess as much as you can. Not only am I going to ask you not to do that, I'm going to ask you to give it all away. And not only are you going to give it all away, you're not even going to feel like you're lacking anything. You're going to get the abundant life in this. 
Jesus is inviting us in this kingdom of heaven mentality that feels upside down compared to culture. But when you live into it, you experience the abundant life that Jesus has promised. We've been talking about living a life that's rooted, rooted deeply in a hurried culture. One of the ways that we live deeply, firmly established is a life that is leveraged to serve. But some things are better caught, not taught. Hey. I heard that a few weeks ago. I thought it was pretty nifty. What he was getting at, though, my, my friend Dave, I always reference Dave. I'm going to start calling him a different name. God, he gets too much credit in my teachings. But Dave, again, was telling me how some things are better caught, not taught. Some things are better when I don't just give you information, but you get participation. You get to actually go and experience it. So often in church, if we're not careful, we'll just leave things in theory phases. We'll just write them all down on a proverbial whiteboard, show you the equation, say, this is the equation. Okay, good. Go home. See you next Sunday. But the gospel is meant to be lived, to experience it. We experience the abundant life as we participate with Jesus. And so as a church, we have prepared a day for you to participate. For me, not just to tell you that the kingdom of God is amazing and living a life leveraged to serve is one of the ways you live rooted in the kingdom of heaven in the midst of an ever-changing culture, but instead to give you an opportunity to participate. For years, we've been participating with this, nope, <laughs> participates on the brain. For years, we've been partnering with the school, Aiken Elementary. Mira Wasby, our children's pastor, is in the back. She's amazing. She volunteers every day. The school's in session. And we've come across a significant need for Aiken Elementary. I have multiple stories of kids crying on Friday because they know they're not going to eat until Monday. Or kids being concerned about holiday break because they know they're going to have to go long stretches without food. And so Aiken has set up a couple of different things that I think are really awesome. And we're going to be partnering. We are currently partnering with them. We're, bless you, we're, fi we're uh, filling up the food pantry. Their food pantry needs help. And so we've partnered with them saying, hey, we're going to help stock your food pantry. And the food pantry is what helps kids during long holiday breaks have food for the break. And then this year, we've added this thing called fuel bags. And fuel bags, all of the house churches at Ruby are doing this, which is really cool. But fuel bags are given to kids right before the weekend so that when they go home, they have nourishment for Saturday and Sunday. But I'm gonna be honest, Aiken needs help, okay? We've got neighbors right here in our backyard. The school is right here, all right? They're awesome. And uh, they need our help. And it's one thing to say, man, guys, one example of a life leveraged to serve would be to partner with Aiken and to buy groceries, to, to stock their pantry, to, to go and read to students. And, and I believe all of that. But another way would be to go, hey, why don't we take communion right now and get up and go to Kroger on 21st and actually buy what they need? You know, every week we ask for the generosity of our church. It supports our staff. It supports things like the trip to India. I believe that all of our spending is so kingdom-oriented and so spirit-led. But today I'm not asking for generosity for ethos, so I'm going to be a little bolder, right? I try to be humble when I'm asking for generosity for our church, But when it's for someone else, it's like, all right, I can go hard here. Let's go. I want us to buy Kroger today. Okay? I get out of here. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's basically what I did at the 9 a.m. I did not give them much instruction. Anyway, I'm going to do better this time. But I want us to use the generosity of heaven with the kingdom mindset. When the disciples were handing out the fish and the bread, they weren't going, hey, don't hand out too much. We might run out. Right? They just saw what God did. God's the provider. It's infinite heaven resources so they could be abundantly generous with what they had. And I want to ask us to be abundantly generous. We've made these little lists for you. Oh, and hey, who's doing slides? Can you pull up the picture? 
I think it's on there. Maybe it's not. Is it not? Can you quit it and refresh it? Do you know how to do it? Here, here, here you go. I got it. I can't. I'm going to get really loud. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hold on. I really want to show you guys this. I thought it was a good idea until I forgot to upload it like a dingus. Hold on. (laughs) All right, here we go. When you go to Kroger today, you're going to see a team that looks exactly like this because that's from today. We've got a whole team with shirts that say hello and make sure and say hello back. And uh, there's a U-Haul that we've rented. There's a ton of cardboard boxes that we got set up just waiting for your groceries to fill them. We're gonna hand out lists to you. And we want you to go and buy that list as many times as you can, honestly. If you're going, hey, look, I've got $15. The disciples went, hey, I've got five pieces of bread and like two fish. That'll go far enough. Partner with someone else. If you go, I got $2 to my name. Partner with someone else. Participate. Just come with us. But I wanna invite you to go to the Kroger on 21st to grab a list on your way out. And a specific thing we do need, um, if you're gonna take a list, to, to partner with someone else and buy that whole list. We need things to be evenly distributed. So don't just buy like two items. Does that make sense? That's the one part where I have to explain. Okay, so if you have a list, you can buy that list a thousand times. That would be great. We're just trying to keep the ratio of things we're buying. Give me some head nods. Okay, yeah, I don't, I'm not good at the logistics stuff, so I really need you to affirm me right now, all right? All right, so I'm gonna invite us right now. We're gonna take communion together. We're gonna remember that Jesus showed us this, that this isn't our idea, a life leveraged to serve others, that it wasn't our idea to to love our neighbors. It's in our instincts to acquire and take care of ourselves. But Jesus comes and says, no, 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 no. Give your life away. That's how you get it. You get the abundant life by losing your life. Serve others. And so I want us to take communion together as a church and remember that Jesus did this first. And then church is not ending, but it will stop happening in this building. And you're gonna go to Kroger if you'd so choose. All right, so let's stand together. You can exit towards the middle. Communion's on the front and the back of the room. So go to the front, go to the back, grab communion, and we'll take it together as a church.